Amen. As you have a seat, turn to your neighbor, tell them it's a good day. It's a good day. It is a really good day. I'm telling you something. Um, I think it's a good day because today for you and I, we start a journey. We're going on a journey that's going to lead us all the way to Christmas. So I think it's pretty cool that God would usher it in with the white Christmas, don't you? Isn't that awesome? You guys brave the snow for some Jesus. You're going to be blessed today, I promise you. We, uh, the journey we're going on stems from a scripture. Um, actually, the scripture originally was written in Isaiah by a prophet named Isaiah. And then 700 years later, it was, uh, it was uh, again talked about in a book called Matthew. So let me set the stage for where we're going as we start today and go through Christmas. Matthew 123, I'm going to give you one verse. Let's set the tone, can we? This is what it says. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. Say, wow. That is wow, isn't it? I mean, God, you're already doing some things that we don't see done a lot. A virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Tell two people, God's with you. Turn to two people, two, God's with you. They need to know. See, that's why the series that we're beginning today is literally called God with us. Now, I think it's easy to know that when things are good, like, I get that God's with me. And maybe you do too. Like when we gather in church, God's house, it's easy to say, oh, God, you're with us today in the house of the Lord. You know, when, when the midterms are finally over, God, you're with us. When, uh, when Friday hits, God, you're with us. When Christmas break comes, God, you're with us. When the in-laws are finally gone, God, you're with us, right? You know the difference, right, between in-laws and outlaws, right? Right? Outlaws are actually wanted. Right. Yeah, I know. It's weird. So... I don't know, that's bad. that's bad. I'm sorry. I hope my mother-in-law's not watching. So anyway, um, but what about when things aren't good? What about when there's struggles? God's still with you? Like you wake up, it's not Friday, it's Monday. And you don't like the job that you have to work anyway. Is God still with you in that? When the in-laws aren't gone, but they're still at your house, is God still there? When, when the kids aren't listening, right? Is God still there? When, when finances are upside down, I mean, I know Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but man, it could put a strain on us, can't it? We go overboard trying to make it a Merry Christmas for somebody, and all of a sudden, Jesus is in the house again. Just another sign from the Lord. It's okay. So God is with us, but is he with us in those bad times when the fear sets in? See, the most wonderful time of the year for a lot of us, for, for many others, it, it's a time of fear and frustration, and worry, and anxiety. See, some of you, I know that you look good on the outside, and you do. You look good. Best-looking church in Omaha, I swear with all my heart. You are. But what about on the inside? I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you're, what's going on there in your struggle or in your, your fear, your, de your, your desperation. Whatever it is, is God with us in that? Because when things are good, I know that God's with us. Like, I got an email this week, and I don't know about you, but I get... Hundreds of spam emails a week, it seems like. I mean, the devil is in that. I know that. But I got one this week where I thought an angel sent it to me. I really did. It was amazing. It was from, I don't even know who it's from, but it told me about a deal going on. And it said, you could get a dozen, Monty, you could get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts for a dollar. And I thought, oh my, see, I knew God was in that. And I don't want to disappoint God. I mean, I know a good deal when I hear it, Ryan. I know a good deal. See, my mom didn't raise no dummy. 
And if she did, it was my brother, but it wasn't me. Okay, I'm just saying. I know a good deal. God was in that. But what about when they're a full price? Here's, here's what I want you to know. God is with you in the good and God is with you in the bad. But some of you today, in, in, in that anxiety and in that struggle and in, in the, the, the stuff that you got going on in your family or in your job, you're in a valley. Say valley. See, you're in a valley. And if you're not, so who's the message for? It's for anybody that's in a valley or you're going to be in a valley. Like if your life is good and it's always been good, you could probably just tune out, okay? This isn't for you. This is for the people that have really been through something or, or are going through something. That's who the message is for, in the valley. You know who can relate to a valley? A guy that you're going to learn about today. His name is David, one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament before Jesus came to earth as a child. David, he went through some hard times. David had ups and downs as one of the great kings of Israel. See, David, some of his ups were like slaying a giant. Heard about that maybe, David and Goliath. But he also had a valley. A valley where his own son would try to overthrow his kingdom and have him killed, right? And you thought your kids were naughty. I mean, come on. That's what his son wanted to do. So David was, David started out as a shepherd. A sh that's where he got his training, is in the pasture. And your pastor knows a little bit, thing, a little bit about that. I, I've said this before, but I... I'm not just a shepherd to you, but I was a shepherd like when I was growing up. Literally, we had sheep till I was 10. I know a little bit about sheep, okay? Belligerent, they ain't smart, but, uh, and they can get very mean. Okay, quick story, just about my problems. Um, so I'm, I'm eight or nine years old, and uh, I'm harassing a sheep, and this is a sad thing to even tell you. This is, listen to me. When you live on a farm and your best friend is like eight miles away, you just find, you find ways to kill time, okay? So there's a buck sheep, that's a male sheep, and I'm verbally like harassing this sheep. I don't know, I just got problems. So I'm doing this, and the next thing I know, out of the blue, this sheep is charging me. And I didn't have time to move, I didn't see it coming. And the sheep is charging me, literally plows into me, I go flying backwards, true story, hit my head on a huge pillar, I'm down on the ground, I come to, I wake up, and there's, I can feel blood everywhere. So I, re I, look, I reach my mouth, and I'm not missing one tooth, but both front teeth are gone. I'm not making, I lost both my front teeth to that. So I could literally say that year, all I wanted for Christmas was my two front teeth. That isn't all I wanted. I also wanted that sheep's head on a platter. I'm not going to lie. That really, I mean, so I've got, but I've got some shepherd experience. So did David. David wrote a psalm. If you grew up in the church world, you might recognize it. And if you didn't, you're, you're going to hear it. This psalm is, a, it's Psalm 23, so if you brought a Bible or a mobile app, I love when you bring your Bible. I love, God's going to speak to you today. You're going to want to write some stuff down, I promise you. Oh, I promise you, God, God's got a word for you. Psalm 23, I'm going to read the whole thing. Don't freak out, it's not that long. Psalm 23, I'm going to start in the first verse. The, the author, David, this is what he writes. You want to talk about a valley. It doesn't start off that way. It start, starts off pretty good. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We could pack up our Bibles, grab our coats, and, and literally, you soak that in, it'll change your life. I'll read the first verse again just to make sure you understand what, what David is writing down for you and I. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. Say meadows. 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 
He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. This is what God does. He's guiding me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. That's incredible. But then it gets a little bit dark. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, and there it is, I'm not going to be afraid. You're close beside me, God. I know you are. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, God. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What's so significant about what I just read to you? There's a few things. Number one is, this is where your church got its name. It is. So I was literally in a valley, not understanding what God was doing, knew, knew there was a transition happening, and we don't, sometimes we don't like change, do we? See, some of you, you're on the brink of a change in your life, and that's why you're so uncomfortable. Don't freak out. You know, it's good to be uncomfortable. A lot of times, that's when you know you're in God's will, it's when you're uncomfortable. So I'm, so, so check this out. I'm wondering, God, I don't know, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you're doing. So I open the word of God. I, I, so just hear this. The number one way God speaks to me is through his word. That's why I always tell you, bring a Bible. Use the mobile app. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. I was just talking to a gentleman on our production team, and we're talking about God and how he moves. And I'm like, he in the word? He's like, every day. Every day, pastor, I get my Bible, my Bible verse just sends to me. I love that. Make it automatic. God is going to, so this is how he spoke to me. Kid you not. So I'm wondering what God is doing in this, whatever's going on in my heart. And I start reading for, or Psalm 23. And I, and I start to break it down. I'm like, oh my gosh. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And I read through the first three verses that I read to you. And I thought to myself, this is the church. The church is a place where I can go and I can find out that God, you're with me and you're all that I need. Like the church is where I can, we can come and we can get rest, right? As we prepare for another week in the battlefield called life. It's where we go and, and we can be renewed with God's goodness and God's presence. We get guidance, we get direction as God leads us toward, towards our purpose, leads us towards loving our families and loving our neighbors. This is the church, a church, a place where marriages are restored, where addictions are broken, where lost people come home and dead things come back to life. This is the church. This is God's church. I thought this is, the, this is God's doing something amazing. And I knew, God, you're doing something. But even after I say all that, because that was verses one through three that I read that day, say verse four. We got to look at verse four. We got to look at it in context, don't we, and look at everything. Verse four, put it up again. Even when, say when. When. Not if, but when. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. God is with you in, the, I love the meadows, of course. God is with you in the meadows. God is with you in the valley. God is with you in the meadows. God is with you in the valley. See, I love the meadows. I, I enjoy the meadows, but guess what? We enjoy the meadows, but it's in the valley where we learn to depend on God. This is what you need to understand. I know that you don't want those moments when you get the phone call that things have gone backwards, where you, where you ended up getting, maybe she broke up with you. Or the final didn't go as planned. 
or, or the kids aren't coming home like they normally came home and you're not hearing from them anymore. We don't want those times in our life, but it's in those valleys that we learn to depend on God. For example, did you hear that we're baptizing a group of people here in a few hours? Is that, yeah, this, that's a Meadows moment. That is a Meadows moment. But guess what? Once, once they go down, and if we decide to bring them back up, you know, we will. Just kidding. So once, once they come up, they're going to hit a valley. I promise you. It might be the next day. It might be the next week. It might be the day. I don't know when, but it's coming. See, there are valleys in the meadows. There are valleys in the meadows, but, it, but you have to experience the valleys. You have to experience the burdens before you can truly, truly appreciate God's blessings. I believe it with all my heart. And some of you, you you've know this from your experience. I read these stories that the people getting baptized sent in about their walk and how they came to know the Lord. A lot of pain in some of those stories. And you know what I thought to myself? Purpose is often birthed through pain, isn't it? It, it was in my life, and not in every case, but it seems like in a lot of them, like David's story, oh my gosh. This guy had pain in his life. In my story, like if you're new or maybe you, you don't know me that well, I was in drug addiction for years. Painful, painful, painful. And in that addiction, I found purpose. I, I, I didn't want to find it that way. In fact, I wanted a way out. I'll talk about that in a second. We, we, uh, this church has a, a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, I love this ministry because it walks people through the 12 steps of life. And it's for anybody with a hurt habit or hang up. Say, that's me. You're right. It is you. It is you. And it's me. Check this out. So in January, we're starting a 12-step study with Celebrate Recovery. And it's limited. So like 12 guys the most, 12 girls are the most. Do you know the woman who's leading the, the women and the man who's leading the men? Guess what their story is? Riddled with pain. It is. I'm just telling you. Valleys. And through the valley, through that pain, all of a sudden they find this purpose that they want to lead others to hope and healing. Boy, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. If you are interested at all in walking through a six to nine month journey of working the 12 steps of life to get over the hurt, habit, or hang up that you can't otherwise get over, man, write Celebrate Recovery on that card, turn it in. We, it's limited. I'm just saying the most we're going to take is 12 people because it's so intimate. It will change your life. But the leaders, why are they leading it? They've been in a valley. In my drug addiction that I was in, you know what I wanted God to do? Put up, put up verse two, uh, four again if you, if you didn't already take it down. Look at this. There's something else you need to see in this. Even when, say when. Remember, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But that's not all. Look what else God showed me. Even when I walk through, say through. So even when I walk through the darkest valley, do you know what my problem was in my addiction? I wanted a way out. I'm like, God, I just need a way out. And I tried hundreds of times to get out this way and get out that way. And God's like, yeah, Monty, I know you want a way out, but I need to show you a way through. Because it's when I show you that way through that you're really going to learn, that you're really going to get it. It's only when you go through that you're eventually going to stay out. But if you want the easy out, see, I believe the biggest temptation for you and I is to do what's easy rather than what's right. It is. It was for me. I wanted the easy out. God just removed the cravings. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Well, God, just, just you know, just help me, help me get different friends. And God's like, I'd love for you to get different friends, but you need to do it. You know, Monty, I need to see you through it. Say through. Through. 
It's so key that we catch this. We want the easy out. And God says, if I gave you the easy out, you'd never learn. You'd never learn to depend on me, remember? Depending on God. I love it in the meadows. I, we enjoyed in the meadows, but we learned to depend on God in the valley. David knew this more than anybody. You remember David, right? He wrote that psalm that you and I read together. So David, a king, man, it doesn't get much more of a, a meadow moment than that. But in, in that moment when he was king, he made some bad mistakes. Like, like, I don't know if you heard this story, but he ended up meeting this woman named Bathsheba. And after they did a little boom, chick, boom, pew, you know what I'm saying? Just, it wasn't right. What I did there wasn't right either, but well, let's just keep going. So, because um, Bathsheba had a husband. And yeah, so that, so now Bathsheba's pregnant and David is in a valley. And you know what he wanted? He wanted a way out. That's what he wanted. So he tries to orchestrate something to get her husband to come back from fighting and get them together. And then he's out of the picture and no one knows the better. That didn't work. So David's way out, it didn't work. So then his, you know what his second way out was? See, sin compounds on top of sin a lot. So when you, when you do something, and it could, you're not in that deep, but all of a sudden you start to think about ways you can conspire and get out of it, and you just get in deeper. That's what happened to David. And all of a sudden, and he never planned this, I promise you, but he got to the point where he had Uriah, which is Bathsheba's husband, killed. So now he's in it. And that was another way that he wanted out. Well, if this isn't going to work and I can't orchestrate this, I'm just going to take that guy to the picture. Can I tell you what happened? Bathsheba's baby was born and uh, was deathly sick. And they lost the child. Like, like David was praying that the child would live. There's consequences for the things that we do. I can't think of a deeper valley. I mean, I, I remember writing this. I thought to myself, and I've said this before, I can't think of a deeper valley than a parent or a mom or a dad losing a child. I can't. I can't think of one worse. And that's where he was. I need you to see what David did. So he lost this child, and so did Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 12, 20. Look at this. This is big. He just learns the kid is dead. He's, he's, he's beside himself, lamenting. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on some lotion, changed his clothes, and he goes into the tabernacle and worshiped God. So after all that grief and all that loss, he, he wow, we enjoy God in the meadow. David learned to, learned to depend on God in the valley. His kid is gone, it's dead, and David picks himself up. He goes to the, he goes to the church, he goes to the temple, he goes to the tabernacle, and he and he worships. We get to know God in the valley. Enjoy him in the meadows. Get to know him in the valley. Say through. Don't forget that word. Through is a big deal. Some of you are in something right now, and you're stuck there. My pastor always used to say, he would say, if you're going through hell... And uh, some of you literally feel like you're going through hell in an area of your life. And my pastor's like, if you're going through hell, whatever you do, don't stop, okay? Keep moving. Say move. See, you got to keep going. You might be in the valley. I say all the time, I'm in the valley, but you know what? I can't stick around. I'm not taking up residence. I know you want to hang out with me and we want to do stuff together, but I can't do that. I ain't taking up residence. I'm just passing through. 
I'm just moving on. See, my eyes are fixed ahead. My, my eyes are on my guide, and my guide is my God. See, God is my protector. He is my strong tower. He is my strength. He is my fortress. He is my protector, and he is all that I need. I need that God. I need him, and he will see me through. This is what God does. I'm in a valley. Here's the deal. Your valley, say valley. God never promised you wouldn't go through a valley. He didn't. He did promise you'll never go through it alone. Okay? You'll never go through it alone. And I promise you, on behalf of our church, your church, if you're plugged into this church, you will never, I mean, you will never be alone. Not unless you choose it. I mean, I, I, that is a promise. We are a relational church. We want to do life together. Repeat after me. God with us. God is with us. Uh, some of you are facing such a severe test, such a severe trial. And if you're not, you will be. It might not even be you. It might be your spouse. It might be your work, your finances, your children. I asked Ava, my, my 14-year-old daughter, if I, if I could have permission to share a story. She said yes. So Ava goes through valleys every day, just like a lot of you and a lot of our kids. So the valley that she goes through, it's, for a 14-year-old girl, it's hard. So she has a, a condition known as hyperhidrosis. So what that is, that just means that you have excessive, excessive sweating in your hands and your feet. So, so much so in her case that she literally has to pack socks and bring them to school. Like multiple pairs of socks and change them throughout the day. Like basically can't wear sandals because it just becomes just a mess. So can't wear sandals, has to pack socks, and change throughout the day. And I know, and trust me, I'm not saying this is, oh, woe is us. Many of, you, many of you are going through something way more difficult than that, but I'm just sharing her story. And uh, she, she plays piano. I mean, there's puddles on the piano keys. I remember going through a, a walk with Ava. This is probably a couple months ago. It was just you and I and our little, our little dog, Rudy, our demon. I mean, our dog. So, um, so we're walking, and... Uh, and I don't, she don't t like to talk about it much. And uh, I said, I said I how often do you get it? Like, I didn't know. And she's like, oh, Dad, every day. I said, okay, well, so if you look at the context of a day, how often is that happening during the day? She's like probably 75, 80%. I'm like, wait a minute. So your, your hands and feet are sweating like that the vast majority of the day. She's like, yep. So like one time we walked into church and we Ava, and you have those notes in your hand. You know, you guys should be taking notes, those notes. And she had like notes in both hands. I'm like, that's my girl taking notes in church. She's like, no, dad, this is for the moisture. I'm like, oh, well, you're still kind of using the notes. So she's like, but she uses the paper and she's always carrying around something, normally a shirt or a washcloth or something just to, just to carry it. And I'm like, what? A, and she, it sucks for her. It does. I know. And again, I know there's so much thing, so many things that are worse, but I'm just saying for her, a 14 year old girl, she's like, why in the heck? Why do I got to, and she, she asked, she's like, why? And we've looked at all kinds of remedies and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, there's no easy fix, okay? There's just not. And I always try to say, Ava, God's going to do something in it. Don't I tell you that, Ava? I tell you that. I tell you, God's going to do something in that. And she's like, I want him to do something. Give it to somebody else. I, you know, that's what, you, you know. So, and I don't admit, there's probably things that she's thinking about that that I don't even know about. She might be thinking, gosh, you know, in a few years, I have this condition, 
And she doesn't really, she's got friends on cross country. She doesn't really high five them or, you know, because it's just, just kind of like this. And just little things you don't think about. And I don't know, she never told me this, but maybe she's thinking, gosh, I'll, I'll never be able to have a boyfriend because I won't, you know, I won't want to hold his hand. And my first thought is, yes. Sorry, Ava. I know. My second thought is, you're not going to have a boyfriend until you're 30. So we need to understand that too, right? I love you, sweetie. Thanks for letting me share the, the, the story because I, I truly believe that in our valleys, God, God wants to use our valley for a Meadows moment. And I tell her, I said, sweetie, there's other people that have this. And she's, she's already done the research. Yeah, like 1.8% of the population has it and that's it. And she's like, what? She knows the stats. But I tell her, I said, Ava, you've got great faith and some of the most faithful people are also the most frustrated. Did you know that? Like, like I, talk about, I talk about Paul. Paul had this thorn in his flesh. And Paul was one of the most faithful men ever besides Jesus Christ. And the Bible says Paul was given a thorn. So I'm like, Ava, you've been given this. When I tell Ava that, she gives me something like this evil eye. But you don't like hearing that, do you? But it's true that Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. And that God said, Paul, I'll use it. We don't know what it was. Paul could have had hyperhidrosis, Ava. We don't know. The Bible doesn't even say what the affliction was. But we do know that he didn't want it. He begged God, like Ava does probably every night as she cries out to God, this is such crap, God. Take this from me. It's, I don't want it. I'll guarantee she's done that. And Paul did the same thing. But some of the most faithful people are also the most frustrated people. I believe it with all my heart. He wasn't afflicted with it. He was given that because God wanted to use it. See, your current situation doesn't define you. And I tell Ava, Ava, your physical situation might look like this, but you can fix your thoughts ahead. You can fix your eyes on God. And that's what somebody needs to know. What if the valley that you're in isn't some end of the road? It's all over. This is the end. What if it's the beginning of a new road? You ever thought about that? What you, God is doing something in your struggle. He's doing something. Oh, man, somebody came in here struggling. Somebody came in here hurting. Somebody came here needing encouragement. And I need to tell somebody, don't you give up what's going on. Don't give in. Your God is with you. He hears you. He strengthens you. He's not done with you. That God that brought you here today is the same God that will be with you until the end. He will. He's the God that sustains you. He's with you in the valley. He's with you in the meadows. He's with you. He's with you. What if your valley, not what if, I believe it, your valley is going to lead to victory. Your valley is going to lead to victory. The only way it does it is if you stop in it. Say through. You're not stopping. You're going through the valley. You're going through the valley because victory waits. Don't give up. Don't give in. Can I share with you verse 5 again? You might have forgot it already. Let me share it. This is how David knew that my God is good. I, I'm walking through the valley of the darkest valley, the shadow of death. God, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. Your God's preparing something for you, okay? Even, even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it, even though you, you, you can't sense it, your God is preparing something for you. God, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Listen to this. My cup overflows with blessings. So David knows something's coming. David knows something's good. But David, you just lost a baby. 
A baby that you prayed wouldn't die, died. And you're writing about God preparing something for you? You're writing about a cup that overflows with blessings? There's more to the story. So after that child died, David and Bathsheba would get married and have another child, another son, a guy named Solomon. So Solomon ended up becoming the next king too, if you didn't know. And something about Solomon that was crazy is through David and through Solomon and then others in the lineage ultimately would usher in a new king. Say new. A new king. Not an earthly king, but a heavenly king. Did you know Jesus Christ came through the lineage of David, a murderer, an adulterer? What? Solomon. Solomon screwed up as a king too. 700 wives. Don't tell me he wasn't busy. <laughs> he, had, he, 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 had, he was sinful. God used him. God wants to use you. You don't need to be perfect for God to use you. My gosh, let the guy speaking to you be proof of that. So Jesus Christ comes through the lineage of David and Solomon. And ultimately, Jesus is born. And we're going to celebrate that. Well, we're celebrating it today. And next week and Christmas Eve. And... But Jesus himself went through a valley that you and I will never comprehend. You remember how I talked about us wanting a way out, but God wanting a way through? Even the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was okay with a way out. When he prayed in a garden, I've shared this with you. The day before Jesus would be nailed to a tree, he'd be in a garden because he knew what was coming. And we think, well, Jesus, you got it. You're good. You're God. Yeah, he's God, but he's also divine. He's also human, divine and human. Struggling with thoughts like we have, struggling with temptations like we have, struggling with desires like we have. We don't think that about Jesus, but we need to because he did. So much so that he's in the garden praying. This is what he says. Luke 22, verse 42. Father, Abba, Daddy, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. In other words, give me a way out. He's not saying he didn't want to do what he had to do. He's just saying, is there any other way? Yet I want your will to be done, Father, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Wow. God doesn't give him a way out, does he? He didn't. He sent an angel and gave him a way through. He sent an angel and gave him a way through. In Jesus's, I mean, in the face of extreme agony, the most difficult test Jesus would ever face, he never gave up, he never gave in. God helped him get through. Our King, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, from that moment, when God strengthened him through the angel and gave him power to keep moving, Jesus moved on and got arrested and ultimately got crucified the next day. If you don't know the story, I'll unpack it. He would hang on a cross. Guy never did anything wrong or bad, never hurt anybody, but this had to be the plan. He, God needed a perfect sacrifice to, he, to, to take care of what we've done in our lives and all the mess that we've made. So he sends Jesus Christ, Jesus, a man, God's son, and he dies on a cross. And can I get real kind of 
real with you. When, as Jesus would hang on the cross, bloodied and butchered, there ain't no one thinking he's going to come alive again. Okay? Let's just get real. Disciples didn't believe it. Mother Mary didn't believe it. I'm telling you. The reason I tell you that is because you can fast forward three days and they ain't hanging out of the tomb waiting for someone to bust out of the tomb. They didn't go there the tomb Sunday morning to see if Jesus was alive. They went there to anoint a dead body. That's why they went. Because dead things stay dead. That's just how kind of how it works. Especially when you see Jesus, the, this hunk of flesh hanging from a cross that you wouldn't even recognize. Okay, that's not coming back to life. And they're looking at the situation and they're thinking to themselves, it is done. And some of you, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, you literally came here today and you thought an area of your life in the valley that you trudged through and you're thinking it's over. And God, I don't, there is no way out. And God said, you're right, but there's a way through. So in your, in the mess that you're looking at on that day, on that Friday, nobody thought Jesus was going to come back to life. Nobody. It was done. But don't, here's my encouragement, don't let what you currently see in your situation make you forget what God has said. Okay, don't let what you currently see make you forget what your God has said. It's not over until he says it's over. And devil, I'll just say to you, straight from me and straight from our church, you might see me struggle, but you'll never see me quit. Because greater is he that is in me than anything in this world. Come on, somebody. We will shout from the meadows what our God is teaching us in the valley. I will shout. My God is good. The king didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came back to life. And that event, one event, say one. One event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those people getting baptized in a few hours, that decision hinges on one, that, that decision hinges on an, an event. That they believe in their heart and their soul that Jesus Christ was dead and then alive. I always say, hey, if a man can predict his own death and then make it happen, I'm following that guy. I'm just doing it, okay? I'm with him. I'm with that guy. I'm with him, and I hope you are too. But this is my prayer for you. I pray, God, how should we close this out? God said, make it simple. He knows I'm not that smart. I need to keep it simple for you and me. I'm just saying, keep it simple. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only reason we have hope. It's it. I love Christmas because that's where it begins. You got to have something, you got to have a start before you can have a finish. This is my, this is my biggest fear. I'll never stop telling you this. I believe with all my heart there's people this Christmas that will celebrate Christmas and they'll gather with friends and family and they'll even say, I know the reason for the season. I, I get it. Believe in Jesus. But have you surrendered to him? I, I believe most haven't. I think most live like I live most of my life. I, I, I cognitively believe, Jesus, that you are God and that you know the cross and everything. But I hadn't surrendered. I was living my life like anybody else. And it looked no different. And it's about a surrender. Surrendering your life to Jesus, going all in for him. Will you do that today? Like, this is my prayer. I never want to be a church that, I just talked to a pastor, 80 years old, my pastor's dad. 
You know what he told me? Old congregation that he pastors in a small town, Nebraska. He says, Monty, they've been going to church all their life. Most of them don't get it. That's what he told me. Now, most of them, if you ask them, yep, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the gospel. Are, are they sharing their faith? No. Do, do they really act any different than anybody else who really doesn't believe? No. The only difference, okay, maybe they show up to a place on a Sunday for an hour. That would be it. Going to church doesn't save you, by the way. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that saves you. And, and I can't, the reason I was called into ministry and I felt the prompting at 10 years old was Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Many! The road to heaven is narrow and rocky, yet we as Americans believe most people are going there. It's just the default destination. No, it's not. No, it's not. The default is that, not that. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, that you could sell out to him, believe in him, call on his name, and you will be saved. I will not be a church that's complacent, thinking, oh, I'm good. Well, I'm not good. I desperately need Christ in my life every day. I need to surrender to him every day. God, not my selfish will, but yours. Will you sell out? Will you go all in today? Let us pray with you after the service. Let us walk with you. But don't leave here until you know for a fact that you've surrendered all of yourself to the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what it's all about. You know how many people have celebrated Christmas that are in hell? A lot. A lot. Celebrate recovery. That's the next step for somebody. Surrendering your life to Christ all in. And lastly, an invitation. Will you invite? I'm, I'm, those invite cards, whether it's here or to Christmas Eve service, please. People are dying. People are in a valley. I wrote it down. I put, people are in a valley. And God wants to use you, say me, you to see them through. There are friends and family, coworkers, neighbors, people that you know that no one else is going to reach but you. And there's two times, Easter and Christmas, where they're the most receptive. Will you please extend the invitation and invite? You can't believe what people are going through, I promise you. Oh, they're fine. No, they're not. They're dying on the inside, just like you are some days. And they need you to get them through the valley and see them through. Will you invite? Take a step closer to Jesus in that way. The closer we are to our shepherd, the more peace you're going to find in your heart and the more peace you're going to show somebody else. God loves you. Say, God loves me. He does. He died for you. My prayer today and throughout this Christmas season that we understand that God is with us in the valley and God is with us in the meadows. But it's in the valley that we learn to depend on him. Let us love you and walk with you as a church. We'll do whatever we can to guide you to Jesus and your God-given purpose because you have a purpose. And it's way bigger and way better than you can dream or imagine. Father, I thank you so much for your truth and your word. I know this. If we follow you, our good shepherd, and trust you, you will meet our every need regardless of our circumstances. It's what you're in the business of doing. The people that are here today, God, are in all different walks of life, all different stages of their journey. Some are believing, some don't. Some are questioning, some aren't. Here's what I know about you and your word. 
Your word says that it, when it goes forth, the word of God, it never returns void. So what that tells me is your Holy Spirit is actively moving in this place. Like you're speaking to people individually right where they're at. God, this is my prayer for every person listening to this. I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ. As you speak to them through a next step, celebrate recovery. Through a next step, surrendering their life to Christ, all of them. Through a next step, inviting a friend or a family member to come into an environment where they, their life can be radically transformed. God, they will do. They will do what you're calling them to do. Too many churches come and hear a word. That's great, but if we ain't doing anything with it, it's just noise. It doesn't matter. We'll... God, help us be a church that does. I am so proud of this church, the way they love, their generosity, adopting families. I truly believe that your hand is on us, but you're calling us into deeper waters. God, you're with us. You're calling us through the meadows and through the valleys and through the streams and in the pastures. God, you're in all of it. Guide us in your arms. Guide us to be a light and a beacon for people that are desperate and hurting. God, we, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We're hopeless without him, but with him. And we will never stop saying with him. And in him, in Jesus Christ, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen.